Welcome to the Leadership Forum, The Power Cast, a podcast by the John Glenn College of Public Affairs at The Ohio State University. My name is Dr. Tina Pierce, and I will be your host today. The Leadership Forum podcast offers leadership tips and inspiration for public service professionals. PowerCast episodes highlight women leaders in public and nonprofit organizations and their stories of overcoming challenges unique to women in public service and politics. Today, I am honored to be joined by Erica Crawley, President of our Franklin County Board of Commissioners, and Elizabeth Martinez, President and CEO of Big Brothers Big Sisters of Central Ohio. Welcome to you both, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having us. In our last PowerCast episode, we discussed how equitable pay impacts our experiences as women and challenges specific to women in workplace. In this episode, we will tackle anticipating and leading through social change. The world is always changing and with it, the societies we live in. From the pandemic to Black Lives Matters, Me Too, and so much more, women are driving social change in our workplaces and communities. For today's world, being able to anticipate and lead through social change is vital for organizations and leaders. It's vital that leaders and organizations connect meaningfully and create environments where people are seen, heard and have a deep sense of belonging. My first question then is, what is your approach to understanding how social change is impacting our workforce and communities? I guess I can start it off if you would like. So um, being at the county, I was in the legislature first, um, representing basically 150,000 people. um, And now I'm at the county. I've been at the county for nine months um, and and the president since January. Um, Being the... um, the largest social safety net for our community. I think it's important um, for us to always be tapping into um, how our community feels like they are able to move um, forward and be able to thrive and not just survive. And we do a lot of work um, at the county in racial equity. Everybody knows about our Rise Together Blueprint um, and the work that has come out of that and the recommendations. And so um, I I think I'm, I'm, most proud of the fact that we're always going to the community to say, are we getting this right? Mm-hmm. Um, we are dealing with a pandemic. Black lives um, matter and they still matter. And we know that black um, men are still dying disproportionately or women are dying in childbirth. And, you know, are we meeting, are we meeting the, the, um, the moment? And if not, what do we need to be, what should we be doing? Where should we be focusing and investing um, and what's working? And I think as a leader, um, in this space, um, you know, our our approach will always have to be making sure that we have the voices of our community at the tables. Um, as much as I um, talk to and collaborate with other elected officials, um, and we think we know everything and we're we're doing things right, um, if we're not uh, having the voices of the people who are um, 
most impacted by the problems, usually the people who are most impacted by the problems are closest to those solutions, um, then we're, we're missing the mark if we, we don't have those voices um, in everything that we're doing. That's how I think we meet that need. Excellent. Yeah, I, Thank you so much, President Crowley. Yes, Ms. Martinez. I agree um, wholeheartedly with, with that approach. And I think you, you know, started the, the response with a question. I think it it starts with deepening our understanding, right? To the, the point that was referenced in terms of engaging in community. I think when we look at social changes of the past and how they've influenced us, I think we started a different conversation understanding that without social change, we're not progressing as a society, right? Like starting that conversation, I think um, is essential and knowing that when we're you know considering whether we're talking about kind of changes that are happening in, in the workforce or changes that are happening in community, when we lean in with understanding the value proposition of change, I think that puts us a, an advantage in this conversation, right? We look at um, you know, workforce, uh, we look at community, you know, the way that we're working has changed. Um, you know, the role of AI, the role of automation, uh, the people doing the work have changed. That, that's been significant. We've recognized that. Um, our expectations of the work have changed, right? Social media has, you know, made information more accessible, digestible, the way, you know, people are receiving content, delivering content looks different. Um, our workforce looks very different. Our community looks very different. So whatever conversation we're having about, um, about social change and, and the value proposition, it is really starting with one, recognizing the benefit of it, and two, transitioning into, um, you know, how do we innovate in the spaces, taking advantage of, of the things that have been afforded to us as a result of some of this um, change that is occurring. And I think for us as an organization, we're constantly centered into, um, you know, what um, Erica shared in terms of it's extremely important for us to touch the work. Uh, you know, I think one of the dangerous things that an organization can do is exclusively read the books that we author. We have to step in and have conversation about, um, you know, are we, are we getting this right? Um, and being comfortable when, when we're not to, to make change and to innovate um, in ways that advance our community. I love it. And I love the centering of community and the work that you all are doing and understanding that you have to go out into the community to understand these social changes that are happening and um, to really appreciate the individual and lived experiences that community members are having during these times of change. Now, that may be a little bit problematic problematic because then when you come into your organization, you have to lead individuals within your operational structure, mm -hmm. your policies and procedures, um, the constraints, the yeah. opportunities that your institutions and organizations have. And so as a leader, it's your responsibility to quickly adapt, but then you also have to get your teams, your staff to quickly adapt as well. And this is key and critical because we know challenges are vital, are a vital part of growth. How do you then lead in and within your organizations during these times of social change? 
we want to start with, let's start with President Martinez, since we started with President Crowley. And I just have to note that we have two fabulous presidents on today's episode. And so I'm going to use that as much as I can. So President Martinez, let's kick it off with you. Absolutely. Thank you for that. I, um, you know, I think it starts with self-curiosity, right? So I know we want to lean in quickly to talk about the organization, but I think as a leader, it starts with the personal work. Um, you know, being able to, to step in and, and identify kind of core values as a leader, being an authentic leader, I think is what sets the foundation for whatever we're going to do within our organization. And, you know, it requires a critical self-awareness. And you know, as you think about as a society, especially when we're talking about organizations, sometimes it's not always um, something that you see represented in, in the workplace. We've been spending a significant amount of time as an organization, uh, what we call examining the soil. Like, where are we today? What are those spaces that we are in as an organization? because we know the times that we are living right now require responsible disruption. And we have to be conscientious of the fact that, you know, that's gonna invite some risks for our organization, but it is equally met with, with the opportunity. Um, and so, you know, I'll talk a little bit um, later about some of the challenges that one encounters when you start to lean in that work. But I think we start with everything, you know, we, we can have the best systems, the processes in place, but it's the people. It, it is the people. Um, we're in service to people and it starts with our people. I would just piggyback off of that. I, I was going to say, like, I, I mean, it starts with self, right? So, like, I always am going back to what are my value propositions? Like, what are my priorities? What, when I go to bed at night, um, am I okay with the decisions that I've made, how I showed up in the space and was I committed to my true authentic self, right? Um, and that's where I, I try to lead from. And then what are the, when I come into the workspace, what are the values of the county? What are our priorities? Do they match up? Um, and then the team that I lead or under the BOC directly, um, I have 1,600 individuals that um, fall under the BOC. Um, and are they bought into our value set? Um, are they on board with our priorities and how we're going to move the county forward? Because that is rooted in, again, what, the, what our neighbors, our residents, 1.34 million people have said was important to them. And um, so when I go back to the Rise Together Blueprint, that started before the pandemic. And we knew what the challenges were for a lot of our neighbors who felt like they were um, left behind, but we also knew what the successes were with people who um, were, you know, um, uh, moving up an economic mobility ladder and felt like they had every opportunity available to them to be successful. And so since our work is grounded in that, and then we went through the pandemic, um, you know, we've had to make some changes here um, at the county. Everybody isn't bought in. We are work out of the rise together. Blueprint is about equity. It is about racial equity. It's about gender equity. Um, it's all like every resident every day. And so we've had some challenges in um, trying to get people to grow their perspective. Um, and, you know, people have decided to move on um, on their own. Um, because they felt like they had been here for 30 or 40 years. And, you know, it seemed like for them, 
that we were prioritizing other people over um, them, which isn't the case. Um, but, you know, they made a decision on their own to move forward. And then others have like, okay, um, you know, this is different than how I grew up. Um, these perspectives are um, different than my own lived experience, but I want to learn um, and I'm willing to do the work to learn um, because I see the value in where our, um, our county is going, where our city is going, and I want to be a part of that growth. Um, and so, and that's been the best part of it. Um, and, and so I think for, uh, for me as a leader and trying to adapt quickly, um, you know, I have to learn how to pivot, but it's still going to be rooted in um, my own value set, but then trying to get an organization to, you know, adapt quickly has had its challenges, but has also had some success. And, and I want to stay there for a second, because we know that leadership involves those various challenges and obstacles. And President Crawley, you touched on this a little bit, just in terms of um, your staffing and some of those challenges where people have to do that self-awareness, that self-reflection, um, that check to see if their personal goals are aligning with the goals and the values, their personal values aligning with the values of the institution. And so can you speak more to what are the most challenging parts of being a leader during times of social change? Yeah, I, I think, I, let me give you an example of one of the things that, um, you know, spoke to, trying to get people to understand um, where the county is going um, and to meet our, our residents. Um, I quickly learned as soon as I got here that not everybody um, understood redlining. Some people feel like um, red, like black people wanted to live in communities with black people, just like Jewish, um, Italians, um, Latinx, like, like that it was just that. Like, redlining wasn't really a thing um, that people are saying it was. Black folks just want to live with Black folks. Um, and that's like, how do you get to, how do you bring somebody along to understand that this was rooted in um, racism? We had federal policy that supported that. Um, that wasn't necessarily the case. In, in, in a space where our, a lot of our money um, and investment is in affordable housing and really trying to, you know, impact who has access to housing um, and whether it's purchasing or being able to have rent utility assistance and, you know, really getting to the root of how Columbus can be very segregated. Um, you know, it takes hard conversations. Mm -hmm. um, but it also takes a willingness for somebody else to say, okay, well, this is what I thought. Um, maybe I've been wrong and I'm willing to learn. Um, I, I think, you know, the challenging parts can be the hard conversations um, and then allowing people to make decisions off of that. I think the other challenging part is um, leading during social change and being a funder of a number of organizations is um, we can't fund every organization that is doing impactful work. And, and we talk about collective impact um, and there's a lot of need out there. And so it's challenging not being able to support financially those organizations who I know are boots on the ground doing the, the good work in the community um, and sometimes we have to say no or not right now, um, and that's challenging. And, and I know this is not the best way to pass this question <laughs> off to you, President Martinez, but it is an excellent 
way to, in fact, pass the question off because as a organization that is so rooted in our communities, providing the key and critical supports that we need for our young people and for our families, you all are out there during times of social change, requesting that funding, sending out those grants, you know, applying for um, those opportunities to secure funding from a variety of different private and public sources. And so um, among those challenges that, that you'll bring to the table today, can you speak on the funding challenges that may occur during times of social change? And again, those most pressing challenges yeah. when you leave during these times? You know, I, I um, appreciate um, President Crawley's comments um, on that and recognizing kind of the complexity connected to that. I'll start with that and then I'll just talk broadly about some of the, the challenges of, of leading during this time. I, I think for us as an organization, and, and maybe I'll step a little bit back and talk about our work as a sector, um, you know, navigating through a pandemic, um, you know, hopefully at some point we'll be looking at this pandemic through a rear view mirror um, and having conversations about what, what happened behind us. I think we walked into this pandemic with issues that were existing and persisting in our community, right? The, a lot of the issues that we're addressing now and having to pivot quickly and think about comprehensive ways of supporting um, didn't exist because of a pandemic. And so I think for, for us, as we think about partners starting, and I consider funders partners, right? I, I do believe that as we come to the conversation in this sector, um, our organization uh, by definition has a, um, a nonprofit designation, but we, we are in the social impact space. And I think we're looking, we're constantly looking for partners that not only align in, in values, but are also thinking about social change in similar ways that we are as an organization. And you know how how do we um, you know once we kind of determine and understand um, our alignment on on those key principal things, then we think about doing the work um, differently. And it can become challenging. Um, I believe that it also invites the opportunity for innovation and creativity. Right? Um, there there's no time like the present to invite. Um, disruption of systems in, in all ways, even considering the way that we consider um, alignment uh, within organizations. We know that no singular organization can provide the solutions that we need for the community. There's no one organization alone that can do it. And we also know that we sit in a community that is um, a very resource rich community. And so how do we think about aligning some of those supportive structures? Because it's, it's more of the respect for the ecosystem, but recognizing that in the absence of a collective ecosystem, we'll be able to do good work, but I think we're mostly invested in this stage of thinking about transformative work, right? And, and back to the conversation about what the community not only needs, wants, but in certain um, instances is demanding is that we really think about what's transformation. Um, but to, to talk about then what does that look like, you know, as a leader, we can all align with, yes, this is direction, this is what we need to do. 
Um, you know, and change sounds sexy until you have to do it, right? And so um, fully of recognition that, um, you know, President Crawley spoke to this, not all, everyone is arriving to the conversation of change at the same rate, at the same pace, um, with the same appetite. And so really acknowledging everyone's experience kind of on that continuum of change and identifying strategies that help elevate the core. Not everyone's gonna get there, right? But we need to build enough kind of tipping point for change for an organization. I think it starts with just understanding where are we? Where are we? And then where's the capacity building opportunity to President Crawley's point, where do we need to build ed education? Where do we need to build understanding? Because a lot of times when there's especially strong resistance to, to change, if you go all the way to the root, fear is in the driver's seat. And so we need to we need to unpack what's that fear about? What does that mean? Um, and it's commitment. Like when we, whenever we're talking about change, and even in the questions, you know, the conversation about quickly adopt uh, adapting as an organization, there's nothing quick to this work. Like it's a deep commitment. You've got to do it every day. We've got to talk about it all the time. Um, you know, it's not just a training. It's not just a conversation. It's not just a task force group. It's not just, you know, changing or shifting a policy. It is prioritizing the work and talking about it again and again and again. Um, and then at the same time, kind of managing all of our stakeholders' perceptions, needs, appetite for the change needle um, and, and, you know, pulling all that together um, is, is, I think can be both um, exhilarating for a leader, right? If you, especially if, if you're really deeply in this work because you wanna be part of, of that social change, um, but it could be exhausting as well. So that there's that reality um, that we have to navigate through. And so tending to both of those experiences as a leader, I think it's an important part of the process. Excellent. Thank you so much for those responses. During your response, you hit on something that's so key and critical in terms of the ecosystem for the work that needs to be done to sustain, not impact. You know, I, I picked up how you said to sustain transformative work, right? We are doing transformative work. And so my next question then is, what would you say are the most important things every organization should do to achieve a sustainable transformative impact during times of social change? Yeah, I would say we have to start with that foundational assessment of where we are, uh, where we are as an organization in every stage. Um, you know, where, where are we? What's core to our identity? Um, it can be very attractive to think about because the needs are expanding or you know, the, the opportunity to evolve is before you, that that, that means that that's your, your need to solve for. I think that the more we identify and how do we do our work well, and then we recognize in the ecosystem that there are other people that are waking up every day, not just a program connected to the work that they're doing, but you know, I don't, I don't um, 
have a mentoring program, I wake up thinking about the work in the field of mentoring and relationships and how it becomes a vehicle and a strategy, uh, foundational strategy to help and support young people, right? And so that's important to me. But I also have, you know, we have the privileges, we partner with families and children to have access to uncover some other needs that they have within their home structure. And so how do we help build connections with those organizations that fill those gaps that are not organic to our work and being very conscientious of that that's a value add within the ecosystem. That's not a competition within the ecosystem. And I think that is even worthy of examining, right? Because you think about, think about this sector that has been charged with the task um, and many other, right? There's, you know, circles of support um, in the community, but I'm specifically speaking to, you know, kind of the human services space is we've charged with the task of addressing issues that are both systemic and generational in nature. And most of our approaches have been very, um, you know, very singular approaches to the solution, right? I'm not that, you know, I don't want to, um, not share the opportunity to acknowledge that there are efforts that have been more collective in nature, but I think it's something that we're still testing in this community and many communities. Um, but but it is important for us to recognize that 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 foundational work is critical. We've got to examine what's working. We've got to be willing to take some risks. Like failure is part of the process, um, and our sector sometimes. Um, when you have been charged with the task of addressing these issues and you yourself as an organization, Dr. Pierce, you mentioned, um, and even Dr. Crawley kind of invited the conversation about funding becoming a challenge for organizations. We're supporting people that are, you know, two, three paychecks away from being homeless and some smaller organizations in this community that are two or three paychecks away from being homeless, right, as an organization that is in position to serve the community. And so what that does to the DNA of this sector is worthy of examining. Like, we have to really figure out, like, you know, risk. We can take risk. We can, we can fail forward. We can do that. I think it, this is um, the time and the opportunity to really think about that. But I do think that self-evaluation, building the support structures, um, not being afraid to create those alliances. alliances. And then th the other thing is not being so rigid that we can't be nimble. Like if it's not work, let's try something else. President Crowley, I know you have some words of wisdom and, and some experience to add to this. How do we sustain that transformative impact? Yeah, I just want to echo everything um, President Martinez said. Like, it, I mean, she really hit the nail on the head. And those are the conversations that we're having as a large funder, right? Um, here at the county, we are dealing with about a $2 billion budget um, for all of, uh, you know, we're the administrative arm and uh, fiscal arm of the county, county government. But even when we looked at, just for an example, ARPA dollars, almost um, $260 million of ARPA dollars will come through the county. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of requests in every um, program that comes before us. It's like, how do you sustain this, right? After these one-time dollars um, dry up, right? Are you willing to work with other partners in the community 
to do this work. As President Martinez said, like one organization isn't going to solve poverty, right? One organization is going to fix childcare. One organization isn't going to create all the jobs that are necessary. But in a collaborative ecosystem, um, we can solve them together. And that's what we are looking at. Like, who do we need to collaborate with? Who should we be collaborating with um, or funding? Who's willing to work with others? I was in a conversation with um, Autumn Glover the other day, and she was saying how um, at one point in time, she was uh, in her uh, previous position getting funding from the county. And she was like, I was so happy when I received a call from the county who said, there's another organization on the other side of town. Would you be willing to work with them? And she was like, absolutely, absolutely. And I wish I, I mean, more organizations would be willing to do that. I think we can be territorial, especially as we're navigating through social change and, and doing DE&I work. Everybody's doing DE&I work now. And, and so people want to own things. But if we can get past owning and really like serving, and meeting the needs, then um, I think, you know, we really will be able to meet um, the, the time that we're in right now when it comes to social change. I think also for, uh, and, and be sustainable. I also think, you know, um, when we talk about sustainability in this space and, and even going back to like one of the most challenging parts about being a leader, I, I could just say like, I ask hard conversations community shelter board, they get a lot of our conveyance fee dollars, um, but homelessness continues to increase, especially for black women. And most of the people in our shelter, 70% of them are people of color. And I wanna know, what are you doing differently in homelessness? You know, like, I wanna know, are you being innovative and taking some approaches and best practices from somewhere else? Um, are you collaborating with other organizations in the county or outside? to meet um, the times that we're in? And are you leveraging our dollars that we're giving you every quarter? Because um, we're not gonna shelter our way out of this, right? And this is how we create sustainable change in a, in a political environment that's changing and an economic environment that's changing. Um, and, um, you know, we as fiduciaries should be able to ask those questions um, and we get pushback. Um, I, I know I have, and it's the right thing to do because this is, we only have so much funding um, for a time um, and we want to make sure that, I hate to say the best, the, the most bang for our buck, but absolutely we want to make sure that we're getting the most bang for our buck, that we are not just sheltering people, that we're putting people on a path to prosperity um, and, you know, that they are able to take care of themselves and their family. So, Again, I, I, I want to say, you know, it comes to alignment, it comes to co collaboration, um, and that's how we'll have sustainable impact. And just briefly, I want to talk about like checking in for us, because we heard from the community of more than 100 uh, something conversations, and we have the blueprint and the recommendations that came out of it. Everything that we do, if you come in on our general sessions on Tuesday or our briefing sessions on Thursday, you will hear a lot of our agencies say at the end of their ask, it meets recommendation nine or goal nine of the Rise Together blueprint. It meets this goal. Um, because that's what the community said would remove barriers. Um, this is how their needs can be met. And so we wanna make sure that we that there is alignment for the work that we're doing or the funding that we're, we're providing that is meeting those goals and those recommendations that the people said they needed. 
I love it. Alignment, alignment with community, making sure that people are at the table, but also connecting people who might not be at the table and pulling them together to do the great work that gives them the passion that wakes them up every morning. Again, moving beyond just, I run a program to, this is my passion. This is what our organization has been committed and dedicated to. This is such a rich conversation and I have enjoyed it so much. Thank you both for joining us today and sharing your words of wisdom. Before we close, do you have any last tips to share with our rising women leaders? Um, I can start and I, I will just probably reiterate something that uh, I was uh, talking to President Martinez about before we really got started. And it's, um, you know, it's a hard time right now. It's, it's a hard time to lead, um, especially as a woman of color. Um, I'm the first black woman to be on the board of commissioners in 200 plus since the inception of the county. Um, and, you know, the work is tiring, um, but it's necessary. But it's important for me to work with women like you, Dr. Pierce, women like President Martinez, um, to, you know, really have um, lasting impact, but knowing that when I can't show up some days that I have individuals like you who are doing the work too, who can fill in the gap um, when I need to rest. And then I'm able to do that for you all. And so for rising women leaders, I would say, thank you for stepping up and being in this space. It is hard and challenging, but I hope that you are surrounding yourselves with people who pour into you um, and lift you up and also can stand in the gap when you can't. Um, and so I wanted to say thank you to everything that you all are doing um, in your work every day and everyone who will listen to this. Thank you, um, because you do make a difference. Thank you. Thank you. President Martinez. Yeah, that was beautifully said, by the way. Um, and, you know, I... So a couple of things to share, and I know we're closing here on time, um, but I feel like this context is important. Um, sitting here as the, the president and CEO of Big Brothers Big Sisters, I also happen to be the first uh, female of color for this organization as well. Um, um, and uh, we've been talking about community a lot here. My lived experiences mirror um, the experiences of the young people that I have um, been commissioned and in privilege of serving here in, in this work that I do. So I think those two truths can exist. You know, I can be um, grown up in poverty, single parent home structures, uh, uh, very, very complex um, dynamics, you know, father who was in and out of the incarceration system and be the president and CEO of Big Brothers Big Sisters. So I think it's important for rising women leaders in our community to understand that um, everybody has a story and being able to kind of honor our story and our experiences um, is an important part of leadership and being able to talk about that. Uh, I would encourage rising women leaders because I spend a lot of time talking to them and to, you know, I think I'm, I'm always thinking about what I wanna be when I grow up. You know, I think to a certain extent I'm rising every day. Um, don't believe everything you think, right? We spend a way too much time in our heads about the work that we're doing, about the work we need to do, about the work that's not done. 
um, being able to, to uh, President Crawley said, you know, check in with your, with your tribe, with your community, right, to be both not only supportive influences in those times when you need gap fillers, but also to remind you of your greatness. We, you were doing the work, we're in the trenches, there's a lot of work. We don't take time to kind of pause and celebrate that. And I think we're, as you're rising in whatever journey you are to be able to pause and kind of celebrate um, your small successes, I think give you a little bit of fuel momentum for the next thing. And just being intentional about your growth journey, like don't leave that in the hands of anyone. Uh, this is your journey, own it, honor it. Um, and be intentional about kind of designing that and, and assembling yourself with partners that will, um, you know, be be willing to, to help support you along that way. Um, and I, too, am very grateful for being able to be in the presence of uh, the both of you and full recognition of everything that you are doing in this community. Um, it's certainly been a privilege to spend time with you um, on a, a, a very exhausting week <laughs> to be able to kind of close out the week um, um, having shared time and space with the both of you and, and you know, to the listeners, which I'm sure many of them are also leaning in and engaging. I think everyone has the ability to influence, you know, leadership is not a title. Um, leadership is about recognizing that we are all part of a solution and you just have to look to your left and look to your right and say, what can I do to impact kind of in my circle here? Uh, and that's leadership. Yep. I love this. To President Martinez, to President Crawley, thank you, thank you for sharing your experiences, your words of wisdom, your stories with us. Uh, we truly appreciate you for empowering, for affirming our rising women leaders in not just uh, the state, um, but beyond, because we know that we have multiple women that tune in um, and listen to this PowerCast. So thank you so much for empowering us, for affirming us, for sharing this space with us this afternoon. Until our next episode, let's continue to change lives and change the world through leadership. Thank you.